Well, hello, everybody. It's the Pete the Planner Show. No frilly opening. No pretense. I think I used that word incorrectly. Joining me this week on the show, Damian Dunn and Kristen Alenius. Kristen, hello. Hello. Kristen, do I feel like I occasionally will mispronounce your last name. You kind of did a little bit just there. I know. I know. <laughs> it's okay. I know. It's hard. It, it, I don't know if it is. It's Maybe phonetically, it's kind of phonetically incorrect. So that's. Do you care to fine. correct it for the record? It's Alanius, like miscellaneous. Is that not what I said? Like there was an E, Alanius, I think is kind of what it was. Yeah. Well, that, that, yeah. was, that was definitely a slip of the tongue. Uh, Damon, it is good to see you again. We've not done a show in a few weeks, uh, for various reasons. So, uh, it's good to be back, everybody. Big show, big show today. We are going to talk about I bonds. Got a listener email about that. We are going to talk about what the market has taught us in the last 30 days <laughs> the wild, undulating stock market and cryptocurrency market. And we are going to talk about uh, President Biden's proposed directive to Congress to have a federal gas tax holiday for 90 days. We're going to, we're going to talk about those things. So it's with that that we say hello to Danza. She's reporting live from Flagstaff, Arizona. Wow. Beautiful. It is lovely. Is anyone getting me? Did I just hear my, did, I, did you hear me back there? I did. I do yeah. attack issues live on the show. I got That's loud great. and then it came back. Yeah. Chris, you got headphones on. Dame's got headphones on. I have headphones on. Maybe I was just too loud. Go figure. All right, let's start the show. Timers up everybody. Throw your timers up. Kristen, what do you think of the Pacers draft before I start the show? I do not know enough to have any semblance of an informed opinion about that. I will say uh, NBA draft expert of our show, Ted Dunn, was very pleased. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So, All right. In three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. We'll answer your email on the air. By we, I mean Kristen Alanius from Your Money Line and Damian Dunn from Your Money Line. Kristen, good to be with you again. Thank you. Damian, it is good back. to have Kristen back. I totally agree. All right. So we're actually starting with a listener email. Hey, Pete, what's up with iSeries savings bonds from the Treasury? Um, and he put, how's that for a short and sweet question suitable for a podcast? Or is it better to add some personal info for you and Damien and Kristen to make assumptions about? At any rate, the current interest rate is 9.62%, changes every six months based on the inflation rate. Individuals are limited to $10,000 investment per year, but for a very safe return during high and unpredictable inflation, it's a great place for savers to park money. While there is a 10-year maturity, the bonds will pay interest for 30 years, and after a minimum of one-year one year holding period, there is a mere three-month interest penalty for early withdrawal. 
can't be purchased online or tax or be a tax refund with a minimum of $25 to $50, depending on whether you buy electronic or other paper bonds or order paper bonds. So anyway, um, that's the question. Do people want I bonds? And, and I think the answer is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty sweet deal. Kristen, you've been, uh, I think we have a piece on the, the blog about it this week. What are your thoughts? I think, Yes, but you have to be very careful about the use for the dollars that you're investing. I think that one year marker can maybe trip some people up. I probably wouldn't suggest putting your emergency fund in I-bonds, but I certainly think that there's a place for I-bonds for a lot of people. Yeah, 10000 bucks, Dame. So it can't be the $10,000 that is probably a lot of people's emergency fund and, and then some. So it's going to be a second tier, a second bucket move. You're not putting retirement assets necessarily into this because it, I mean, although there's some tax sensitivity to it, um, it would be a waste of, uh, of that perspective. So, so how do you get your head around it? Uh, Kristen's exactly right. It's going to have to be a very, a pretty narrow focus on how, uh, what dollars are going to get deployed into this sort of account. Uh, the emergency fund, not the right choice, uh, but if you want to start being a little bit more uh, uh, defensive w- with your assets, I-bonds might not be the worst place for them. Uh, they're going to have a nice little return for you. Well, it seems like everything else has fallen off the map. And uh, you know, it's kind of that out of sight, out of mind sort of uh, deal as well, where you don't have it staring you in the face all the time, reminding you of how bad things are, are going. So uh, the, the big limit's going to be rather capped on on what you can put in there however i did read an article not too long ago that a guy got really creative and aggressive with all the different sorts of accounts he opened and i think he ended up squirreling away 80 or ninety thousand dollars in i bonds through different personal accounts and maybe a joint account and some trust accounts and then accounts for his kids and uh he was all into i bonds and that's the route he chose to go can I ask a question that I'm embarrassed I don't know the answer to? It says the current interest rate is 9.62% via the email. Changes every six months based on the inflation rate. Is it the intro rate changes every six months or the actual interest rate that you would earn changes every six months? Isn't there a fixed and a variable rate? So there's a yes. flat rate and then a variable inflation rate. Yeah. So, so that, that means, yeah. Yeah, that base rate's going to be really, really small. And then that variable rate's what's really pushing the return right now. So conceivably, seven years into this thing, or hopefully two years into this thing, uh, that variable rate has come down quite a bit um, because inflation is under control, right? Fingers crossed, man. If we if we see uh, prolonged periods of uh, r- sky-high I-bond returns, we're probably not going to like what's going on around us. Uh, Facebook live viewer, Ben, thank God for him. Fixed is 0% for new bonds issued this year. So there you go. Wow. Thanks. Ben's our uh, bond expert here on the show. Kristen, it gets me thinking in in light of uh, interest rate uh, increases and the Fed really stoking the rate with a last one was a 75 basis points bump. That's going to happen again next month, likely. Um, What financial products have found themselves good and bad right now. I mean, I I hate to say it, but a mortgage, 
uh, new mortgages are finding themselves at, at, at a rather high interest rate going forward and, and will continue to climb, by the way, uh, with the next 75 basis points increase. Do you think if someone is conceivably looking at housing right now, they would want to lock in their interest rate immediately? I would think so, based on what we're seeing right now, because rates are up even from, we all know I purchased a house, it was a terrible decision. Um, rates Come are on. even up from <laughs> from when I bought my house and I I went under contract like 45 days ago. So did, were you able to lock in 45 days ago? Yes, and technically my lock expired the day of closing and or mm. the day before closing and my lender had to pull some strings. I don't know what he had to do, but they were able to keep the rate that they'd promised. The queen of leverage. Uh, do you remember how much the pay had changed in that 45 day period? He didn't tell me and he didn't tell me until it was after all it, until it was already worked out. He was like, well, technically your rate expired yesterday. I'm like, wow, that's nice. Uh, mortgage theater, I think, going on there. He's trying to angle for a tip. Do you have a tip jar sitting on his desk? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I don't think uh, that they allow that. Dame, according to uh, bankrate.com, uh, CD rates uh, still are not benefiting from interest rate increases. Um, One-year CD rate is 37 basis points, 0.37% on a one-year CD Five years, 0.59%, nothing even close to 1%. I think I got um, a, a notification from my high-yield savings account uh, that bumped it up to 0.7% in uh, just a normal FDIC-insured savings account. So I'm feeling pretty flush right now with my emergency fund savings. I might might ask for an extra cherry on my ice cream cone. You know, I have to I have to half correct myself here because I think Kristen was about to do it. I'd rather correct myself than have her correct me. But mm. the that is the average, but there are other rates. And, and then a bank rate, of course, lists them. Um, Capital One, for instance, is 2.6 on a five-year, 2.5 on a two-year. Um I mean, better than it's been the last 10 years. I mean, uh, CDs have been paying nothing. Not, not that I care, but I do know there are, are personally care, but I, I know there are, are people that love the safety and security of the FDIC and, and love CDs. I bet there's uh, some significant minimums for those rates to get those rates. 25,000. Actually, let's I go down to, let's go down to that significant. I'm oh, actually, actually going yeah. to. I was actually going to kind of rub it in Dame's face a little bit because my cash reserve account's paying 1.1%. So betterment's the move, my man. I'm already there. I'm just in the savings side. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, with uh, a minute left in this segment, Kyle asks, do you think the move is to sell my home, make some money to use for investments and then rent for a year or more until the market cracks? I've heard this from a few realtors. I mean, there's risk there. I mean, there's absolute risk there. I don't think it's a terrible idea. Dane, what do you think? Uh, that's tough because you have no idea what the housing market's going to do over the next year. Uh, it, mortgage rates, and if, if prices don't come down, but mortgage rates continue to increase, you might be in a bit of a pinch. Yeah. Do you think the move is to yeah. sell my home, make some money to use for investments? So, so then the issue is, I hope Kyle does not think he's going to pull the money back out of the investments to use as down payment money because that's a whole other nightmare. So Kyle, we're on the fence. Kristen, what do you think? 10 seconds. What do you think about that? idea? I'm with Dame because a year ago, 
I know what we all would have said. So that's true. Coming up after the break, is the gas tax holiday really matter? That's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. That's a good way to look at it, Kristen. The, you know, last year we would have been like, well, there's some risk and you would have gotten burned like big time. Uh, yeah, because the house that I sold a year ago is for sale again, 22% increase. Yeah. I wanted to be How sick. long will it take to sell, do you think? It'll. It's probably already under contract. It went up for sale yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of inflation, you want to do our segment on, on gas tax? It got me back on TV this week. I'm reluctantly going back on television right now. Then don't. Well, that's right, because you guys are about to start doing it. Uh-huh. Kristen, you, uh-huh. Kristen, you have been uh, you have been talked to about this, correct? A little bit, yeah. Okay, good. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Kristen. I don't know if you saw the news earlier this week that President Biden was going to urge suggest, require, I don't know, Congress to suspend the federal gas tax to the tune of 18.4 cents a gallon for three months in order to provide much needed relief at the pump. Uh, Kristen, I, I happened to do some television around this idea this week, not criticizing it in a political sense, but saying, oh, let's take a look at the math. The math does not support this being at all helpful. And and then you can go on to argue that the lost tax revenue puts us in an even worse spot. So, Kristen, where's your head at uh, 18.4 cents per gallon savings on the average person in a quarter driving one or, or buying 144 gallons of gas for a total savings of $26? How do you get your head around that? I love the sentiment. I think that trying to find ways to be mindful, I I appreciate all of that. I just don't think, I think that if that, how much did you say the savings is a quarter? Uh, $26 or on 13 Phillips, $2 per trip over spread out over a quarter. So every, every week you save $2. I think that if the $2 is the breaking point for someone, it's not the gas tax that they need to save them. Dame, how do you get your head around that? Um, I believe President Obama called gas tax holidays gimmicks. And I tend to agree with President Obama in this case. I I agree with Kristen. I I, I appreciate the sentiment. Um, But I, I don't think this is the the fix that most people are, are looking for. Like it's, it's really easy to get cynical, uh, especially in politics. Um, and, and what I don't want to do is to have this be a cynical approach to what is happening, but I will note, uh, I think there's a tremendous amount of pressure on president Biden to do something about gas prices. You've got to do something. You must do something. He's being accused of, um, right or wrong. I don't know, not even for me to say right or wrong being the reason that gas prices are, are so high. We've talked about it on this. So show the, you did that stickers at gas pumps or a picture of president Biden. So there's a lot of pressure to do something. And, and I think, 
I think this decision is simply, okay, I'll do this. And because that's kind of the one thing he can do. So I I don't know. I, I, I don't think it helps. I get why he made the decision. I won't go as far to call it political theater, but I just think it's completely pointless. And the lost tax revenue is a big, bigger problem than that. If one of our issues is infrastructure, then I, I assume the the, ex, the federal excise tax goes to infrastructure. Uh, Kristen, what do you think? I think that if gas prices were lower and we could look at this as a percentage saving, I think I would feel better about it. But when gas is $5 a gallon plus, and you're talking about saving 18 cents, it even hurts to look at it as a percentage as well. Yeah, Dean, we were talking about this around the office this week. And the question was, well, isn't this supposed to spur governors to also suspend their own state excise tax? Um, Because in Indiana, for instance, um, there's been a talk of Governor Holcomb uh, suspending the gas tax, which is 60 cents a gallon. All told, combined with, uh, you know, you know, with with the federal tax, you're looking at over one hundred dollars for that quarter, at least thirty three dollars a month. That that does a little bit more. I mean, that's an additional pizza meal a month. Um, But, Dame, I don't think and again, without getting political, I don't think a Republican governor is going to follow suit motivated by a Democratic president. I, I don't I just don't think that passes the sniff test. Yeah, I don't know. I I think if it was uh, a meaningful idea, there would be no reason that 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 would be a barrier for somebody to 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 try and get that pushed through. I think one of my biggest issues, and this is a very Hoosier thing because it's Hoosier centric, why is our gas tax variable? I don't understand why that changes with the price of gasoline. Shouldn't it just be fixed? I mean, if they're using it to budget off of uh, for for other road improvements and infrastructure improvements doesn't it seem like it should just be fixed and it should uh be a consistent part of of uh, of the annual budgeting process the fact that it goes up when the price goes price of gasoline goes up and it goes down when the price of gasoline goes down makes zero sense to me and that seems like that could be a very meaningful change that could be enacted going forward say hey let's fix this variability make it consistent and you don't have to worry about it going on Kristen, I often think when we start talking about sort of uh, government and economics and and, and tax revenue, I, I feel like my brain goes to this oversimplistic place of, well, yeah, I mean, to Dame's point, it's like, this makes no sense. Do you, when you think about it, do you think there's got to be something we don't understand? Or do you think it really is as easy as we're making it out to be? I would like to think that there's a lot that I don't understand, but I probably share that sentiment is that why does it have to be so complicated? Plus, Dame just taught me something about gas tax in Indiana. So, yeah, I would also note the state of Indiana has what is is about to return one billion dollars of surplus tax revenue directly to Hoosiers. And um, so to Dame's point, why are why is the gas tax increasing because at the fixed rate as a total aggregate tax revenue, there was a surplus. So I'm struggling to understand how a tax increase for that particular area even makes sense. I mean, I guess if somebody was going to start arguing supply and demand, you know, as the price of gas goes up, uh, fewer gallons are, should be purchased. Uh, you're going to need a bigger chunk of that to be able to fund your, uh, your, your projects. But I mean, 
who wants to talk about economic stuff? I'm going to express, I believe, what could be a libertarian view of this, Ooh. potentially. Ooh. We can't call on government to solve that problem because, we, and I'm not a libertarian. I'm just saying like a libertarian would say they got to stay completely out of it. Um, isn't the solution to this a libertarian solution, which would be, hey, use less gas. That's the solution mm -hmm. to your budget issue. Uh, or is that like an elitist thing to say? Kristen, am I, am I seeming like an elitist? Maybe a little bit. Cause I don't think that everyone, I don't, I don't think everybody has that opportunity, but I do think that people can be more mindful. And I do think you have a lot of control over that component of your budget. I, I find the intersection of freedom and prudence as at a weird crossroads these days. Right. And I don't want to get too going too far here. I would just say, I, I, I want the freedom to drive wherever I want, whenever I want. Okay. I feel you. It's just not prudent. So um, I think freedom, freedom and prudence uh, have a very strange relationship in, in the current zeitgeist. Uh, Damien, uh, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You have changed some driving habits. I have changed some driving habits. Kristen, is this why you got the golf cart up and running uh, so that you could change your driving habits? Yeah, the golf cart's electric. So just driving it around town, you can take it to the grocery store. So I don't, who needs a car? Before we go to the break, is there any irony that Elon Musk was talking about Tesla trying to avoid bankruptcy this week in 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 a period of time in which electric car demand theoretically should be the highest ever with six dollar gallon gas? Like, should we be surprised by this piece of news? Are you surprised by anything Elon talks about on a day to day basis? No, I, no. that's the thing. It's like when people are like oh, I'm surprised and it's like, really? There's no surprise. The surprise is when something is unsurprising. Surprise, that's how it works. <laughs> Dame, coming up after the break, Kristen is going to change all of our lives with stock market tips to make your family a billionaire. Mm. <laughs> Wait, okay, that, that may not get through. Actually, we're going to talk about has the stock market taught us anything in the last month or so, especially crypto markets. That's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. I like to watch Kristen's face oh. uh, when, <laughs> just generally, but when when I put her in an uncomfortable position on the air, I like to watch. I like to watch her react. I, I don't like little, it. I saw that little cringe earlier when she <laughs> tossed to her, and she was like, "Ooh!" And then oh. she tried to tried to answer the question as best she could. It was great. It's like watching a, a video of myself from three years ago get put in places that I didn't like. I'm soft. I don't want people to email and be like, she's too political. And, and oh, by the way, you throwing in that little maybe at the end of that rant you had is not going <laughs> to save you from the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kristen, I think I've told you this before. I, this was 12, 2012, maybe. No, when it came back. And it doesn't matter. It was during uh, the Obama administration. Um, I would write a column in USA Today and I would have both extremes of the political spectrum send me hate email about making an opposite point about the exact same column. So you just can't avoid it whatsoever. 
But to be fair, I also have someone else within our organization read my email. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. Uh, Big Rick Swank makes an appearance. Uh, We did did come on the air two hours late today. Yes, sorry. Various meetings and whatnot, but. Um, all right, Dame, you ready to go? Kristen, you ready for some market updates? I guess I should actually pull up some market data. Do I need to pull up our, uh, our, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Hang on for one second. Oh no. I'm going to throw up when you read these. (laughs) Uh, Tell me when you're ready, big man. Oh, it's going to take me a second. I've, I've got to get the Google drive open. I tried to close as many tabs as possible. Oh, that's too bad. I, I really like uh, a bogged down experience. Everybody does. Kristen, are you, have you got your house exactly how you want it now? No. Come on. I don't believe no. you actually. Uh, no, there's no doors on my cabinets because they're getting painted. The walls are mostly painted. I had to get on a really tall ladder and stand on my tiptoes to paint all the way up to the ceiling. That was terrifying. Is our group life insurance up to date, Dame? Eh, close enough. I think it is. Am I your beneficiary, Kristen? Sure. Yes. Awesome. Are your are your dogs the beneficiary? My sister is under the press under the assumption that she cares for the dogs. <laughs> uh, Leona Helmsley. Leona Helmsley was a an iconic New York socialite multi-millionaire that used to own hotels uh, near Central Park back in the day. She is a, uh, a pop culture icon for a different generation, to be kind. I believe she left a massive estate to a cat. Um, so I think your dogs are perfectly in good hands, in good paws. I respect it. Um can I tell you about some trash talk that happened at my house last night? They got me thrown completely under the bus. Um, Ali and Ted were talking about high school athletics. Um, and my wife, of course, because she was an excellent athlete said, well, I was actually all state because she was. And Ted said, dad, were you ever all state? And my wife said, no, but he worked for all state. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, "Wow, wow!" From what the top happening? rope, got him. That's brutal. That was funny though, but it yeah, that's good. That hurt. I was honorable mention all conference in football. Hmm. Doesn't seem so honorable, does it? Hmm. As a senior, that's a great question. I think as a junior. Maybe not a senior. I don't. I got worse. I don't know. Who cares? I don't care. Okay, here we go. In three, two, boy, I'm not ready. <laughs> Those are the best. False start. Okay. Honorable mention. Stop. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. This will go down as honorable mention for the best show of the year. Joining us, as always, is the queen of content, Kristen and Dame from the Running Line team. Kristen, I don't know if you noticed, but the stock market, I think it's intoxicated. Um, It is swinging wildly thousands of points at a time. 
heading in every which direction as we sit and record the show today on Friday, midday, the 24th of June. The S&P 500 is up 2.33% today and year to date down 18.5%. So um, have we learned anything in the last month or so with the stock market, Kristen? And not look at it. I think is really, I think that's the takeaway, to be honest with you. It, it feels that way. So the, the last month, um, looking at the market for the last month, it opened that time frame for the month um, at the S&P 500 specifically at around 3,900. And today it's at 3,800. So the last month, even though we've had a rally this week, has been pretty brutal. And the 12-month change is just under 9%. Dame, I'm guessing this has really affected our stock predictions for the year. Indeed. I mean, we're, of course, professionals at this. And so we we uh, did all the appropriate research we needed to in the five minutes before that show started to, to pick the ones that we were going with. But uh, our, our winners for the year that we chose, that we're going to do great and just be top-notch choices, uh, Cushman Wakefield, uh, your choice, down 31.4% for the year. <clears throat> Berkshire Hathaway, my choice, down 7.6. So you're winning. I, I'm killing you by losing 7%. Uh, our losers, Amazon. Uh, Pete, you, uh, you picked Amazon. This math is not checking out because they had a split. Are you down 21? Is that what it is? No, no, no. no? It's 20 to 1 split. 20 to, I, you know, I think uh, I think you're down 32% for the year in Amazon. Yes. Well, uh, I mean, yes, I'm a shareholder, but no, but you know, you know what I mean. And Elon continues to mess things up for everybody, regardless of where you sit. Uh, and Twitter is down 8.7% for the year. And as I noted, Kristen, the S&P 500 is down 18%. I had it pegged, at, I believe, at a 7% loss. Yep, and Dane and I had, had four. it up four. Yeah. Boy, what's it like working with us? You guys oh, are great. I, I, wait a second. You didn't have it for a 7% loss. You had it for a 7% gain. Hey. Oh, 7% gain. And you had it for a 4% gain. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make sure we're clear on that. Um, Kristen, do you feel... So you, we are all experienced investors on this show. I think that's fair to say. Mm -hmm. Dame and I are much older than you. However, you are a very experienced investor, and Dame and I certainly are. As, as unfortunate it is to watch the market do what it's done, I don't care. I, I just don't. I, I, I just like keep in perspective. I don't care. Do you think, unfair question, Kristen, do you think the crypto crowd has the luxury of not caring right now? I do not. I think for a few different reasons, I think that crypto tends to be invested in my anecdotal experience, younger persons. And I think that partially because the way you can access it, but I think younger people tend to invest in crypto more. And I also think that if you're under 30, give or take, this is um, maybe the second real like longer term down that you've seen in the market. So I think that that affects a younger population, both behaviorally and with access to like cryptocurrency. I think there's two variables there. What do you think, Dame? I think this, um, 
But I think I, I might disagree with, with Kristen a little bit here because if I agree that the, there's a younger demographic that typically invests into crypto, they also still have time uh, to, to learn a very valuable lesson in their investing career. And that means just have a plan going forward. You can't go all in on one thing, regardless of how uh, sure you are it's going to be a home run or uh, how much you believe in in the the reasoning behind the asset existing you still have to have a plan and this is a textbook illustration of what can happen when you just go all in too quickly on one thing thank you for not giving the mike tyson quote about everyone has a plan until they get punched in the punched mouth, in I, mouth. I, I appreciate you yeah. not saying that on air Kristen. um to that point do you have a percentage of a long-term portfolio from an asset allocation standpoint that you think is reasonable for someone to 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 allocate towards speculative investments? Like what percentage do you think is reasonable? We're talking just in general or in for general. Me? No, just in general. Or for you. I don't know. Do you do you give advice against what you personally do? A lot, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wouldn't be tell I'm you shouldn't be buying a house right now. Um I don't, maybe like 5%, maybe a little bit more, depending on your risk tolerance. Maybe. There goes my maybe again. Maybe. <laughs> Damien, Andrew Dunn, what do you believe? Uh, I, I think it's actually a little bit higher, but I think it fluctuates based on the overall amount of your income you're able to save towards whatever goal you've got going on as well. So I, I would normally say no more than 10% in any uh, one individual equity or speculative investment. But if somebody's basically got their retirement sealed up and they've still got some cash to play around with, I I think if their risk tolerance can can uh, handle it, they might be able to have a little bit more leeway to, to go in on some of those other things. I agree. I, I don't mind a 10% allocation. I think if you start doing sort of the the fun radio math here, here's where you get. Let's take an average young <laughs> one of the youngs, uh, they're in their twenties and thirties. Crypto is interesting. They have $10,000, uh, to, uh, $10,000. Like, so it's like, uh, it's my savings. It's my, uh, non 401k money. I have $10,000. And so if you take 10% of that to invest, you're putting in a thousand dollars in a crypto investment. What are the chances that a person who deems that they have $10,000 to invest is taking 1,000 of that dollars and investing it in crypto and doing something more conservative with the other 90%. Kristen, is that is that what is happening in practice? I don't think that's what's happening in practice. And I don't think that most people have the gut for risk that they think that they do, which is why I still pull back to a lower percentage recommendation because I think as a group, our risk tolerance is a little elevated and maybe the last 12 months have kind of brought that down a little bit. But I just, as a rule, I don't think that your gut for risk is quite as tough as you might think it is. Everybody has the risk, the gut for tolerance when all the risk is on the upside. And right. you're just the, the the money is too easy. It's there. Everybody's making money hand over fist. And why would I only invest a thousand bucks when I've got ten sitting here that I could do something with? This could potentially, you know, pay off our car or pay off our house or set us up for life. And then the lights come on, and you realize that you didn't have that that risk tolerance. 
and now you're in a world of hurt. And if you can get out with the money you put in, fantastic. If you end up with less, hopefully, hopefully you're just able to chalk that up to a very important lesson learned. I want to ask a very reductive question that I'm not going to regret. Isn't this just a simple case of if it sounds too good to be true, it is like, cause like if people are looking for something like crypto to make them wildly wealthy and solve every challenge that's ever happened, like maybe that's a bad idea. Is that oversimplistic? That is oversimplistic. I don't, think so. I mean, it's money psychology, right? Like we're emotionally tied and we work hard for our money. And when you have an opportunity to make gains, I think that people are just naturally going to be drawn into that despite what we know to be true about, to your point, the rule of thumb that like, well, if it sounds too good to be true. I don't know. I feel like as a parent of a 13 year old, I'm having that conversation on a pretty regular basis. And that sounded rather insulting to everyone I interact with what I just said. So it's with that that we head to break and come back with biggest waste of money of the week and the news right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I don't know, Dame. I mean, it's easy to gloat when the value got cut in half. Maybe I'll feel differently when it's like $120,000 of Bitcoin. Which is why you need to buy it now. Had I, I do want to note, had I, I bought it on the air mm-hmm. with Justin, with Justin Costelli at, I want to say, was it 10,000? But I only bought like $500 worth or something like right. that. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'd be up double my money, but I probably would have cashed out at 60 because I'm a genius. See, that's the game I always play with myself. Is it okay? Yeah. If I would have bought it when uh, a friend of mine encouraged me to when they were, under a hundred bucks a piece. There's zero chance I would have held on to them to experience the entire run up. Zero chance. Unless I lost my key to my wallet somehow and then found <laughs> oh it my. decades, uh, 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 10 years later. So those stories. Um, you guys ready for Boam and news? Dame, do you have some news? Of course I have some news. Well, I don't know. I had a hectic week. I didn't have a Boam until about three minutes ago. Oh, when Kristen was hedging with maybes. Mm. Dame, you think that people learn their lesson when it comes to speculative investments? Um, I, I think some people certainly do. I think some people learn a very, very um, adverse lesson as well by saying, you know what, I'm never doing this again. And they paint themselves into a corner. They, they, they learned the tough lesson. They lost a little bit of money, but then they they just won't get back into any sort of investing and they're going to sit in cash for a real long time. I talk to advisors that are still in the game um, frequently and we'll, we'll all talk about remember when things went really horrible in the early two thousands and the amount of people that sat in cash for basically a decade because they were just scared that it was going to keep, it was there, the shoe was going to drop and it was going to go down to zero they they really did some damage to uh, well not necessarily damage but they really put some some major roadblocks in front of their their retirement plans and you want to talk about having to make some major life changes based off of how you are approaching preparing for retirement if you cannot use uh the gains in the market increase in assets you're talking about probably 
drastically reducing your um, your lifestyle to make sure that you can fit it into the, the amount of assets you're able to accumulate based on the returns that you're going to get. If I may, um, I have learned my lesson about speculative investing. I mean, I really, I really have. I've changed behaviors based on mistakes that I've I've made. Uh, I I still make mistakes uh, with speculative investing, but not to the tune of I did when I was day trading in college or dumb day trading as a working adult. But it's with that that I offer you the biggest waste of money of the week. Mm. All right. In three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is the Balmore and Aston Martin Arc 52 Scotch Whiskey. Islay-based Balmore and Aston Martin's latest collaboration is their most exclusive yet. Arriving in a spaceship-like decanter that combines organic and man-made forms and rests on two, just two points, the aptly named Arc 52 is a balanced blend of two 52-year-old whiskeys. One was aged in a sherry, but I, I just... What? I want you to know the copy reads one was aged in a sherry butt, B U T T, while the other in an organic, an American oak ex bourbon hogshead, which was blended together at 42.3% ABV, creating a drink that has notes of vanilla and fruit on the nose and flavors of citrus, tobacco, and peat, not like me limited to just 100 bottles worldwide. All right, Kristen, how much do you feel this is being sold for right now in the direct market, the retail market? I feel like it's either going to be egregious or I'm going to say something egregious and it's not going to be as expensive as I think. Is it less than a thousand dollars? No. Damien, do you have a guess? Yes. What do you think? I, I already saw it, so I know what this is. One hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a bottle. Oh my word! They're making a hundred bottles for a gross uh, revenue of twelve point five million dollars on something aged in a hogshead combined with something aged in a butt. Yeah, see, you see, a hundred and twenty-five thousand. How much is this, an Aston Martin, Dame? Uh, it probably, well, Aston doesn't put their prices on their website when you Aston. configure a car. So you're looking probably between 180 and 300 would be my guess. I'll take the car instead. Sure. Are we just going to blow past the fact that Dame said Aston, like he's somehow best friends with Aston Martin? That's how it goes. <laughs> I, you know, hit me, uh, if there's any Aston dealers listening, I'd be happy to do a review of your car. If I could just drive it for a week. When you talk about Mercedes-Benz, Dame, mm. do you call it a Mercedes-Benz, a Mercedes, or a Benz, or like a Benzo? Like, what do you say when referencing that brand? Uh, it depends on who I'm talking to and, and what the context is, because I think I've used all three of those. What's in the news this week? Well, since we uh, discussed gas prices, let's go there. The amount of gasoline sold at U.S. stations was down how much, Pete? Down from earlier this year. How much less gas is being sold right now than earlier this year? 5%. Kristen? 8 
8.2% from earlier this year, which is down for the 14th consecutive week. We are buying less gas, Peter. I don't want Kristen to be on the show if she's going to guess my over my bad guesses. I, I the, It's only a matter of time. I mean, it's not uncommon that I have better guesses than you, which is why I think it turned into me asking you to guess so I didn't show you up. So people are spending 8%. No, people are oh. buying 8% less gas. Yes. Still right. spending, I, I would guess, 90% more. Oh, probably. Yeah. I I couldn't be bothered to do that research, Pete. Before you go to the next news story, I want to ask a question about relationships. Uh, mm. I invited my wife to go to a dinner out to one of our favorite restaurants this evening via calendar invite. Uh, and because it seems practical, it blocks the time out for both of us. Uh, it allows her to scout the menu if she wants, because I put the details in that. Is that unromantic? Kristen, to approach my betrothed with a calendar invite to go on a date with her? I love that because I live and breathe by my Google calendar and I have parking anxiety. So if you give me the address and tell me this is where we're going to have to park and this is the menu, A1. That's so good. Dame, that's a solid move, right? Yeah, I, don't, I really don't see too much wrong with that. I mean, if if you is it romantic? No, probably no. not. But but you could show up with flowers, and and all of a sudden it's it's uh, a planned time that you had set aside for Mrs. Planner, and you got her some flowers and a what I'm assuming is probably going to be like a 24 ounce steak. Let me put a more pertinent example out there for you, Kristen. I'm going to start with you, Kristen. Let's say I'm on the singles market, in which I'm not. I'm not. Or let's, let's go a different direction. Let's say you're in the singles market and someone sends you their Calendly for you to pick a time to go out with them. Mm. Is that bad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to, here's the thing. I'm weird, though. I would almost appreciate it, I feel like. Is there a Google form? Like, after the date, I can submit my review. Like, this is what I liked and this is what I didn't. Like, I'm all about the data and like the Google calendar. But like I said, I'm weird. So I feel like Damien, she's talking about Yelp reviewing a date, which does not seem like a good idea. Somebody's got a little black book. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. well, it's data. It's just data. Yeah. It's just numbers. It's, it's, it's what I'm data. saying. It's data. Dame, what else is in the news this week? According to a new study from Harvard Medical School researchers, Ooh. Medicare could have saved $3.6 billion in a single year if it had bought its drugs from Mark Cuban's newly launched pharmacy. Can I tell you guys something? Yeah. A friend of the show, Dr. Aaron Albert, who's been on the show a million times back in the day. She's a former Butler professor. She's an attorney. She was a pharmacist. Like She's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. She's written a ton of books. She works there. He hired her away. Like he, like he hired her, Mark Cuban, to to be one of the main people running this thing, which is the greatest hire ever because she's a genius. We're totally going to have her on the show. Um, but yeah, that Mark Cuban's cost plus pharmacy mm -hmm. is changing lives. Yeah, I, for an example, uh, there are some crazy price discrepancies when Medicare paid 160 bucks for a 90-day supply of some acid reflux treatment. They could have gotten it for 17 bucks from Cuban's pharmacy. Wow. 
Yeah, you know, I, I'll be I'll be honest. I am fortunate at this stage of my life. I do not have uh, prescription costs. I don't have. I don't take any medication. Uh, I probably need to <laughs> go to the doctor. Um, <laughs> I can see how for some people I know, right? Like, this is significant. Even saving fifty bucks a month on prescription is great, but we're talking hundreds in some cases with this new business. Yeah, uh, so it will be interesting to see how how uh, Mr. Cuban continues that. But I'm all in favor of lowering cost because that is uh, seriously something that trips up uh, some people in their their retirement days. Kristen, how will traditional pharmacies try to ruin this for Mark Cuban cost plus? <laughs> I don't know. And I think right now it's not even the traditional pharmacy. I think it's people thinking that this is too good to be true. That's kind of what I've seen on social media a little bit is people just saying that like, come on, like a billionaire, like he couldn't possibly be doing something good for other people. So it might not even need to be traditional pharmacies that ruin it. It could just be ourselves. Dame, what I keep wondering when I see this is, but when you get a receipt from Mark Cuban cost plus, is it, how, how is it in relation to a CVS receipt? Is it shorter? Is it longer? Is it a digital receipt? Couldn't be longer. There's no way it could be longer. Plus, uh, unless Mr. Cuban's going to start selling some other uh, things through Pharmacy Plus, I I don't know how it could be. uh, You know, what what are my coupons going to go for? One last story, Dame. Uh, Pete, you and I discussed on a show a few months ago that there might be some changes to retirement coming. Uh, Well, we might get to start uh, waiting longer to empty retirement accounts and face fewer restrictions for emergency withdrawals under a bill advanced unanimously Wednesday by the Senate Finance Committee. Um, it was already passed by the house on a 414 to five vote, but there's all sorts of changes, RMD age, uh, emergency withdrawals, uh, who can contribute, uh, to, to mandatory enrollment and all sorts of stuff. So lots of changes potentially coming and we will cover it in detail on this very show. And at your moneyline.com. Kristen, thanks for joining us this week. It was good to see you again. You were a fan favorite Dame. You were here Two. Send in everyone good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner radio program. All right. Fan favorite, Kristen. Odd style with a really interesting comment. Sending an invite to a significant other is a good way of showing off to their coworkers, and I'm all for it. <laughs> I do feel good. like it's funny. Lubs, one of our coworkers a couple of weeks ago is like, yeah, I'm going on a date with my wife tonight. And I was like, oh man, that's good. Like, it is for like a, you're going on a date. Even the married folks are like, oh, I would like to go on a date. Hmm. Yeah. Did you, had you already agreed to this dinner? Like, was there already, you know, just, you know, Hey, let's do dinner Friday. And then you sent her an invite to reserve the time and give some extra information. How'd that, how the logistics of that work? Um, so I talked her into spending time with me Mm -hmm. and she almost acquiesced. I went into another room and within seven seconds, I had reservations and sent her a calendar invite. And I believe she said, I don't know if I consented to this date. And I said, accept the invite. And she said, I might put it as a maybe. And I said, (laughs) I'm going. Whether you go or not is up to you. And I have not talked to her uh, in two weeks. Are you um, taking separate cars? Maybe, just to save gas <laughs> in mine. 
Oh, oh boy. Um, okay. I um bye. I gotta go. <laughs> um, Chris and I hope you have a really good weekend. I hope you put the doors on your cabinets. Gotta paint them. Yeah, after you paint them. Dame, I think you should drive over to Kristen's and paint her cabinets. There you go. I've, I'm, uh, can I submit that mileage for reimbursement? And that's all we have time for this week. All right, everybody, stay getting money.